Hey fam, welcome to the Free Trail Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Dylan Bowman, here today with Mario Fraioli, my dear friend and my neighbor, somebody I look up to in a lot of different ways. He is back for our annual tradition. He has been on the show probably four or five times at this point, but for at least the last three years, Mario and I connect for an annual check-in at the beginning of the new year. We talk about our lives and careers, and our running especially, just two dudes talking through what we're up to, what we're inspired about, what we're thinking about, what we're struggling with, all through the lens of our running and our careers as two guys who love the sport and who make our livings within it. If you don't know, Mario is the author of the Morning Shakeout newsletter and the host of the Morning Shakeout podcast. He's also a coach to many athletes across all formats of running. He's one of the most respected people in the sport. And more importantly, he's just a super high character, high integrity person and a good friend. As we always do, we go long form with this one. 90 minutes felt way too short. So we might drop a part two this year because we actually did get a lot of great crowdsource questions on Instagram, most of which we don't get to in this conversation. What we do talk about is our respective relationships with running, our respective careers, how those two things fit together. Longtime podcast listeners will also remember that Mario and I sat down for a very long conversation when the Ironman UTMB merger was announced a few years ago. So we had a lot of people asking us to revisit that topic here. We spend some time talking about some of the current events in the sport in the back half of today's episode. Hope you enjoy. Before we get to it, a heads up, we're of course heading to the Black Canyon 100K next week. Who would miss out? We're planning to drop some athlete interviews on Thursday. We'll do our pre-race show live on Friday morning, some proper trailgating before the big race. All will be hosted on the Free Trail YouTube channel. We'll be sending out more details on the Free Trail newsletter. I've got links to the in the show notes to go subscribe to our YouTube channel and to our newsletter where you can keep yourself apprised of what we're working on down there in Arizona. Also in the show notes, hot, hot deals with our great partners. Our presenting sponsor, of course, Speedland, dropping a new commission very, very soon. Eyeball emoji, of course, Gnarly Nutrition, Osprey Packs, and back again for 2024, Roark Apparel. You'll hear from them later on, but make sure you grab some swag and use the discount codes in the show notes. As always, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy the show. The Free Trail Podcast is presented by Speedland and the all-new GS Oak. The pink, purple, and black just might be my favorite colorway yet of the GS platform that is now in commission number three. Of course, there was my shoe, the GS Tam, the Cam Haynes shoe, the GS PGH, and now the GS Oak done in collaboration with fellow indie trail brand Path Projects and with design inspiration from Speedland athlete, my good buddy, Liam Lonsdale. All three of the GS models are primo products. You may have seen David Goggins recently trash talking Cam Haynes with a pair of the GS PGH on Instagram. That was pretty surreal. I still see a ton of people out on the trails rocking the GS Tam. And now the GS Oak is already more than 50% sold out. And you know the deal. Once they're gone, they're gone for good. No restocks. So you better jump on it now. 2024 is going to be a huge year for Speedland. If you've never tried the brand, there is no better time than now. The world's most high performance, most durable 
and most stylish trail shoes. As always, Free Trail listeners get 10% off by using code FREETRAIL10 at checkout. Head over to runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10. Mario Fraioli, welcome back to Free Trail World Headquarters. <laughs> Good to see you, buddy. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back on the podcast with you. I've uh, enjoyed what has now become an annual tradition of talking to you early in the year. So appreciate you having me. Yeah, this is three years in a row. I think we're doing sort of our life, career, running updates, and I think an opportunity now to talk about some of the other things that are happening broadly across sports, about things that we're interested and inspired about right now. And yeah, uh, we'll we have sort of touch a touch on all of it for this one. Yeah, we have a loose rubric and uh, we'll just bang through as much as feels appropriate here. But for those who are just tuning in, yeah, we, we've done this a couple of times. So if you want to go back into the archive, please do feel free. Mario, I think probably the best place to start is just kind of the, the personal and running updates. Last time you were here, it was right after we moved into our house. And today is another atmospheric river here in California. You live just north of me here, very close. We are neighbors. And uh, this time last year, you were just coming off, I think, a like a mile race out in Boston and you were inspired about your running. So where are you now? Yeah. I can't remember exactly when we recorded last year. It was either just before or just after that. So I raced the new balance indoor games, men's masters mile in February. And then I got right into Boston marathon training the next day. So I ran last year's Boston marathon and hard to believe that that was a year ago at this point. So where are you with your running? I mean, obviously as a reader of your newsletter, I know that you continue to be deeply in love with the sport right now, which I, I love and that inspires me to sort of reconnect with that feeling. Yeah, I had a little bit of a rebirth when I turned 40 in 2022. And I'm gonna be 42 here in a couple of months. I joined the West Valley Track Club. I can't remember how much of this we talked about last time, but I've raced cross country the last two falls. It's been a blast. We had a great season in 2023. Our team won the national championship for both the 40 plus and 50 plus. And this year, 2024, I am going to spend the first half of my year or, or most of the first half of the year focusing on track racing myself specifically. And the reason for that is partly convenience because the Masters National Championships take place in Sacramento, which is only about an hour and a half from here in late July. And the U.S. Masters Road Mile Championships are going to be in May in Danville. And I've been interested in continuing to pursue the middle distances. So, you know, out of convenience and interest, those two things sort of merged and that's where I'm going to focus my energy and attention this year. So I'm, I'm zooming out toward July. So I've actually had a slower start to the year where I'm, I'm probably not going to start racing until end of March, early April, and try and spread that out over the course of a few months. It's, it's a long season. I mean, that's a long way to, you know, be on it. So I want to be mindful of that and just not go too hard out the gate here. And um, I also got sick over Christmas, had COVID for the first time, was taking some downtime after cross country anyway. And it's just been a little slower than I expected coming back from that. But now I think I'm five weeks in and starting to feel good again. Meditate on the things that you've been 
writing about in the newsletter and on your return to Instagram, which maybe we'll touch touch on sure. here in a little bit. But your rebirth, you said, as you turned 40, and you've been writing a lot about just staying with a practice for a lifetime for decades, in this mm-hmm. case, running and the value inherent in pursuing something over such a long period, even when your body changes, your motivation changes. Yep. And you, so you're, you're sort of, if you think of it as waves and troughs, right? It seems like you're sort of at a wave right now in terms of your personal enjoyment of the sport. Yeah, I, I definitely am. I would never have predicted that my own competitive interests would be in middle distance racing in my 40s. I, I mean, I thought once I was done with that in my early 20s, I'd be done with it for good. But I've been doing this sport a long time, and I've done it all. I've done track and field, cross country, road racing, marathons, trails, ultras, all of it. And right now, this is just where my interests lie. And I think the type of training that it requires is a good fit for where I am at this point in my life and the amount of time that I want to put into it. And I also just, I've I've, I've even tried to suppress this over the years, but I just, I love to compete. I just, I really love to compete. And for me, the like, peak of, of competition when it comes to running like head to head stuff is kind of like these middle distances, like the mile. I mean, I just think it's, you know, mile 1500 meters for me, it's a a four ish minute race, four to five minute race. And I, I just, I've always loved that. And I've been away from it for a long time and something about turn again, turning 40 clean slate, finally at a point in my life where I'm not comparing myself to what I did Mm -hmm. 20 plus years ago. And I'm like, let me just approach this with curiosity and and see what's possible. Like I'm genuinely curious, like what I can do in this decade. And and if I lose that curiosity, I'm not going to try to force it. I'll probably find something else. But right now I'm like genuinely curious what I can do. And some of that, I think I know as I advance in my forties, I get to like 45, 50, you know, things that just happen biologically, you start to, you know, lose some bone density, you lose some power and explosiveness, you know, your speed starts to, you know, really take a nosedive after like 44, 45. So I'm like, you know, right now I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see like what I, what I can do with that. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm just pursuing that curiosity and I want to see where it leads me. And I mean, that's to go off on too much of a, a tangent. I mean, I, I feel like that's a theme throughout my life. It's just following my, my curiosity. So right now, like my competitive curiosity revolves around, you know, this middle distance type of, of racing. And I don't know how long it'll last, maybe a few years, maybe a a decade plus, but you know, it's there right now and I'm not going to try and suppress that. And I'm just going to see, you know, where it can take me. Say more about the suppression of a competitive drive, because I have never associated the feeling of raw competitiveness with with you. And it's funny because I was talking to Hayden Hawks today Mm -hmm. who absolutely I would associate raw competitiveness with, and he's coming off knee surgery, heading towards black Canyon, hasn't raced since Western States. And he was espousing a similar sentiment of just like, I just can't wait to compete again. Like I've missed it. And as he said that I sort of recognized it myself too, like, man, I really do miss that also. And maybe I'm artificially suppressing that. Mm -hmm. I'm just a competitive person. I always have been in every aspect of my life. And it's for me, probably more of a quiet competitiveness versus maybe how other people might express that. But, you know, a few years ago when I was in my late thirties, mid to late thirties and had been involved in competitive running for 
I mean, since I was 16, so call it like close to two decades at that point, it's a long time to train and race hard. And I had the feeling that, you know, maybe it's time to just like move on from, from this. Um, why do I need to do it? Um, do it. Do I need to do it? Should I, you know, should I do it? I've been doing it long enough. Like, do I need to do it anymore? Um, and I, I tried to convince myself that no, I, I, I don't need to do this. Um, I don't want to do this. Um, but the whole time, like it just, it, I had this tension, like it just felt like a really like odd place to be. And, you know, being in my late thirties, I'd make up a lot of excuses for like, why I wouldn't, why I wouldn't race or why I wouldn't set a goal, you know, and go after it. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm too old. It doesn't matter. I got too many other things like, you know, going on. And I spent a lot of time in my, in my own head, uh, thinking about that. And again, like I, I can't really express it, but turning 40, entering this new age division, realizing there is this whole world of, of masters running. It, it did feel like a fresh start in a lot of ways where I could enter a race and be around people my own age. You know, when you're in your late thirties and you're racing someone who's like, you know, 22, it's not really, a fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it's really not. Um, and they're at a different point in life and there's like some different, you know, levels of relatability there and, you know, all of that. But, you know, turning, turning 40 was a pivotal, you know, moment for me. And I just, I, I just accepted, I'm like, this is who I am. This is what I like to do. This has been a big part of my life. And it, it doesn't have to go away just because I've been doing it for, yeah. you know, a long time. And I, I do believe, and this isn't everyone, um, you got to follow your own path, but I, I do believe in being a lifelong competitor. And I think for me, like it's a big part of my identity or at least how I perceive my identity, but it also has enriched my life in so many ways to pursue these things that I feel like it'd be detrimental to try and suppress that and like, you know, put it away. Cause I, I still like all these years into it, learn something about myself. I myriad benefits of just having a goal and focusing on it and working toward it and, you know, seeing how things progress, you know, along the way. And, um, I think part of what's made it fun is just like not trying to suppress that and yeah. not trying to fight it. Just, just opening myself up to it. Like, this is who I am. This is what I enjoy doing. These are the many benefits that being a lifelong competitor, having that competitive mindset, you know, provides me. Um, and, and like, why fight, you know, why fight yeah. it? Um, and, and I will say the last thing I'll say is, you know, I have had periods of my life where I didn't have a healthy relationship with the sport or my pursuit of it. Um, and this is, you know, back in my, my early twenties, but now I feel like I do. And I just have more self-awareness. And when I was younger, I, I, went over the edge a few times, yeah. um, you know, to the point where I really did want to walk away from it. It wasn't serving me well. And I feel like I've just have through the years developed this much better sense of self-awareness to where it just, it holds a healthy place in my life. It's not all consuming. It's not all that I am, but it, it is more beneficial than it is anything else. And it's just, I don't know. It's just really like kind of lit my fire. This is so great because I feel like I'm a few years behind you in a number of ways as I started to think about well, you are. what like we were going to, I'm me, a right? few years younger than you, but also like, you know, in, in the media space, I'm behind you and now feel some of the things that I know you've felt, which I'm sure we can get to here in a second, but I've absolutely been suppressing my competitiveness for a while. I just had Andrew Bumblow on the podcast too. Mm -hmm. And 
what you're saying reminds me a lot of sort of the energy that he's now bringing to his competition at the Black Canyon 100K of just like, he retired from professional marathoning. Obviously he had a great track and field career before that. And now he's just got this blank canvas, no expectations of himself. Obviously there'll be people chattering about him sure. as being a very talented road athlete making his trail debut, but it's, he's not creating some artificial persona or artificial pressure on himself. He's like, no, like I recognize that I'm a competitor and that I miss setting a goal. I don't care if I finish outside the top 20 at Black Canyon against some of the best athletes in the world. Like, I just want to do this. Yeah. It's refreshing. That That's yeah. exactly it. And I feel the same way. And it's taken me years to arrive at that point, because if I rewind to my early 20s, just out of college, or even when I was in college at the the height of my relative success, I mean, I was an All-American in college. I was trying to make it as a pro the first couple of years out of school. Spoiler, I did not make <laughs> it. But I tied up a lot of my, not just identity, I think identity is okay, but I tied up a lot of my self-worth in my results and what I achieved as a runner and let it define me in that way. And, and I don't think that's necessarily healthy. And I cared too much about the results. And I think it's it's okay to care about the results. Like, you know, you care about something, you want to see it come into fruition if you've worked hard at it. But now, like, as I was saying earlier, it's all curiosity. Uh -huh. um, like, I, I'm genuinely curious what I can do. And if I can, you know, win a national title or break four minutes in the 1500, like, that's a cool thing to, like, you know, learn. But if I don't, it, it's not going to ruin my day. You're not going to lose a contract or no, something. No, no, yeah. I'm definitely not losing a contract, but it's not going to ruin my day. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when I was younger, I'd be like, if I don't hit this time, if I don't place in this race, if I don't do X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. then I'm a, I'm a failure. Like I'm a waste. It was, you know, what was all the work for? Like it, it had to, you know, it had, it had to lead to something like it was, it was, that result was like so important. It, it defined me. And, and now it, you know, it doesn't, I mean, I have this coffee mug at home. Shout out to Brendan Leonard of semi, semi And I have the t-shirt too. He's a frequent, uh, he makes frequent appearances in the morning shakeout yeah, newsletter. Yeah, he, he does. <laughs> and, and he and I have become good friends. And I have this mug of his and it says, put in the miles so you can, put in the miles so you can. And it's like, he calls it the zen of the zen of running. Um, and and I, I look at that mug every morning because I drink coffee out of it. But I, I think about that all the time. And I hadn't always thought that way, but now it's like, I just, I want to keep this, you know, I want to keep this going. Um, it's the and, same sentiment in that Zach Miller article yeah. on I Run Far that you shared in this week's newsletter that I wanted to yeah. bring into our conversation. I, I want to touch on that. And yeah. I want to talk, um, I also want to touch on the, the surfer who was profiled in the New York times. And I'm already forgetting her name. So I don't follow surfer. Carissa Moore. Is Carissa her name, Moore. Yeah. Um, and she talked about, you know, at the end of this year, she's going to step away. And this is someone she's 31, 32, but she has been at the top of the world in her sport. She's for, the Courtney DeWalter yeah, of surfing for, for more yeah. than half of her life. But at the end of this year or sometime this year, she's going to step away from the tour and she's not going to try for the Olympics again, but this has been a big part of her life. And I loved what she said. And, and it like clicked with me right away. She's like, I'm not retiring. She's like, I'm evolving. And, and that's how I've really thought about my relationship to competitive running. I, I was never a professional. I didn't get paid for it. Um, this is a hobby for me. Like it's, it's supposed to be fun. I probably took it a little too seriously for a long time, but my relationship to it has, has evolved and I've, I've accepted that. And 
it's it's in a better place than it's ever been. And I've been doing this for like 25 years. Yeah, the key is the self-awareness, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's huge. Um, but it took it took a while to get there. So can I give you my update? Because I think it'll well, be relevant to this. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm sorry to make this all about me. I definitely <laughs> want to flip the mics on yeah. you because I know that one, you, you have at least a race that you have committed to that you are going to be working towards. So I want to hear about that, but I also want to hear about how that fits into, you know, this, this greater picture of where Dylan Bowman is at this point of his competitive career. So this is all going to fit together really elegantly here, Mario, because the reason I chose this particular race is because it does fit in with everything else in Mm -hmm. kind of a comedic way, but stepping back a second, I had like a decent amount of momentum. Like I was starting to do some tempos again. I was starting to like at least feel some semblance of progress day to day. This was at the end of last year. And then like, of course, my Achilles just started hurting, put me down for three or four weeks, sort of lost the momentum. It's sort of like 99% sorted out now. So confident that it's not a serious thing. So I'm just like kind of starting from not square one, but starting to build some routine again and starting to think more seriously about like how to reduce my excuses. And so I'm thinking a lot more intentionally about how I set up the smaller details of my life. Mm -hmm. For example, like how I schedule my days and weeks. And actually this might be an interesting thing to get your insight on because for the last two years, I've basically just been waking up at five, you know, trying to squeeze in a run, white knuckling through a work day. And then I have my son. So it just sort of compounded some of that stuff. And I never have had like a rubric or like a structured strategy to my work weeks and stuff. And so I've always felt just like I'm careening between several different things. And whenever something needs to be get, get sacrificed, it's my running always that mm-hmm. gets sacrificed. And so what I'm trying to do now is to introduce a little bit more rhythm into my work day and my work week. In other words, like, okay, I'm only scheduling meetings Monday through Wednesday, right? Thursday, Friday are for creative work, you know, doing podcasts, writing, thinking. I'm, I'm really, I I really am just a few years ahead of you. More than than I, more than I thought. (laughs) Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're jiving with like my, like, you know, 30, seven 38 year old Dude, experience. So, and the thing is, you know, <laughs> a lot of ways last time you were here, the last time we recorded this type of a show, I had just moved into our new house. Mm-hmm. We're, we're back here recording now for our listening audience, 90 seconds down the road. I have a 2,400 foot climb on like a perfect trail. Right. And it's just like, dude, you don't have an excuse anymore. You have to take advantage of this. Like you're about to turn 38. <laughs> TikTok, bro. Like you have a 2,400 foot climb out the back door. Nobody has that, you know, or very few people have that luxury and I feel blessed. And so I'm like, okay, we got to do this. So anyway, I did sign up for a race and what I'm going to be doing is the Mozart hundred K in Austria. So not a big race, right? But the reason I know this race, when I coached Sally McRae, she did that. That's right. Yeah few years ago. So I've always wanted to do this race. It was on the ultra trail world tour back in the day. It's very close to Red Bull headquarters. Mm-hmm. I would guess, I don't know for certain, but I would guess that this may be my final ride with the brand. <laughs> um, and anyway, an opportunity to go back out and connect with 
Red Bull people out there, but more importantly is that, and this is coming to something that I want to get your take on too, is that I just am starting to feel sort of a self-loathing in like the, I'm becoming a talking head, you know? And I know you struggled for a time of like how your voice was like feeling the pressure that you needed to have a take and stuff like that. And especially with current events and trail running, like I just have felt that pressure. And anyway, this Mozart race used to be on the Western States weekend every year. So of course I was never going to do it or never, never go out for it. Now it's on June 1st. And so last year, you know, this will sound self-pitying, but at the end of Western States, I'm just like completely exhausted and also delirious and kind of, depressed, you know, because I've like had so much fun calling the races at Broken Arrow and Western States, which is a privilege. It's a tough come down. And I love it. But I also don't run basically for those two weeks. And I just like end up feeling like, oh my gosh, like that was so cool. But also everybody else had all the fun, right? And I was just sitting there talking like a freaking idiot. And so the reason I picked that is because it was like, okay, I wanted to do this race. There's a reason for me to go to the specific area. And also the timing is perfect because I can run a hundred K and then come back and do my commentary work. The stuff that I do really enjoy and not feel so much like I'm just talking about it. I'm not actually out there doing it in the same way, in the way that I want to be. Right. And so just introducing that moment on the calendar far off in the future now, obviously does help as we all know to just incentivize accountability Mm -hmm. in how I approach my day-to-day running. So anyway, I'd like to maybe do something in the spring also, maybe go out and do like a rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon too, something like that, that I haven't done in like 10 years and just like stop making excuses because I've just been making a lot of excuses, not to say that they've been without any justification. They definitely have been, but anyway, like it feels good to, at least, yeah, like be trying to hold myself accountable again. I love it, man. I'm stoked for you. And a lot of what you just described is similar to experiences that I've had in the past. And I mean, you know, we have, I wouldn't say parallel lives, but, you know, we have similar interests and we work in a similar space. I mean, you're trying to grow free trail right now and and really establish it and, and make it a thing. You're pouring everything into it. And and that does come with trade-offs. I mean, when I started working for myself and tried building the morning shakeout up or, or was building the morning shakeout up, I mean, it consumed me in a lot of ways. I mean, and I wasn't taking care of myself and that was a big part of it. And, and I wasn't super organized. I just felt like I was playing whack-a-mole all the time. Uh, and I'm sure you can relate to that it's not sustainable. And I mean, for me, there were a few critical moments in that. I I don't know that I've talked about this one publicly, but back in, you know, 2016. So I guess I would have been late that year, 34 or so. It it was, it was, that was the year when I started working for myself and Mm. I was doing a lot to try and like put it together. And I had a hard time saying no to anything. So it's like, you know, I'm trying to pursue my own running, coaching, I'm trying to build the morning shakeouts, um, really just trying to avoid having to like, you know, get a, you know, get a real job. Um, 
but I was just, I was, I was literally and figuratively all over the place. And I was so tired because I wasn't sleeping, um, that I, I fell asleep standing up in my house. And on the way down, I like hit my head, gave myself a concussion, ended up in the hospital. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about that publicly. Um, literal wake up call, um, scared the bejesus out of my wife, Christine, and it really was like a turning point for me. So I was like, this is, this is not sustainable. And it didn't all like, you know, flip the next week um, type of thing. It still took a while. Um, old habits are hard to break. And, but I, I did, like I started chipping away at it and, you know, really they stand on an airplane, put your oxygen mask on first. Like Harmony like, says that to me all yeah, the time. I'm like, I, yeah. I'm like, I have to take care of myself so that I can, you know, most importantly, show up and be a good husband every day so that I can be a good coach for my athletes so that I can actually create at the time I just had the newsletter podcast came later in 2017, but, you know, create, you know, the content that, you know, I want to, and that, you know, I'm, I'm proud of. Um, and I got away, you, you know, you can get away with these things for a while till you like you know, literally like, yeah. You Harmony know, always says you head. can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. She didn't come up with that phrase. I yeah. don't know who did. I'm so, sure somebody will have the right credit, but it's a great metaphor, right? Yeah. And and now as, you know, as, you know, I grew the morning shakeout as I became more mature as a coach and as a, as a person. And again, like you, you get to like 40, I don't know about you, but I remember like, I remember when my dad turned 40, like it was a big deal. Like they had this yeah. over the hill party and you know, got these ridiculous hats and like all that. Like, I remember it being like a big thing. I was like, that's over the hill. You know, it's, it's like midlife for, you know, a lot of people are approaching midlife. And and there was a part of that too, where I was like, damn, um, like I'm pretty old. Like yeah. I, I'm, it's not that old, but I'm like, you're not, not young. Yeah, I'm not yeah. young. And, and it was just kind of like thinking ahead. I'm like, man, I, I, I enjoy my life. I enjoy the things that I do you know, personally, uh, athletically, professionally, I'm like, I want to continue doing them. And, you know, to, to what Harmony said, um, and to like what I was alluding to with the, put your oxygen mask on first, I'm like, I have to like take care of myself so that I can, you know, be the best version of myself for all of these different things that I, you know, that I care about. And, and part of that too, was realizing I can't care about everything either, because I think, you know, when I was in my mid to late thirties, I was too much of a people pleaser, um, you know, trying to do, you know, all the things. And it's just like, that's not sustainable either. So it's yeah. like really, you know, spending time with myself and, you know, deciding, okay, like what, what's important? What are my priorities? Like personally, athletically, professionally, and like, you know, just being ruthless um, without being an asshole either, but being ruthless about like prioritizing myself so I can give myself to like all of those things. And like just saying no to the things that just like don't, you know, matter as much or move the needle as much and, and realizing like, that's, that's okay. And I feel like in, you know, in our world, which I, I realize is like kind of its own unique, you know, sort of bubble. It's like, in some ways there are like an, an embarrassment of riches, like events to go to and things to say, you know, yes to, or opportunities that may or may not like. And that's only increasing, yeah, especially lead, in trail running. Yeah. That may or may not lead to something. And I've just had to be like, what are, what are my values? What's important to me? And like, do the decisions that I make, you know, serve those things. And it, and it's, you know, it's been like, yes or no. And if it's no, it's like, it's no. And it's just made, I think it's just made, um, one, just running more enjoyable where in the past, like I was just doing all these things. Like I just couldn't devote the time and attention to it. Yeah. I mean, I remember one year I signed up for CIM in the fall. 
you know, many months prior. And then I was just, you know, traveling like a maniac and just like super busy and like, you know, not training like for a marathon, like I wanted to. And, um, I remember saying to Christine, uh, I don't think I'm going to run CIM. And she was on a work trip to New York that weekend and bent herself over backwards, like flying to Sacramento that I, before she's like, you're running that marathon. I mean, surprise, surprise. It didn't, you know, it didn't go well. And I was like, I don't want to like, like, I don't want to just half-ass these things. Like, yeah. I felt like I was doing okay. That's exactly what happened to me at Hard yeah. Rock this year. It's yeah. like, dude, I f- why? I thought, yeah. Why are you showing up here and, and just, like, going for it without yeah. actually taking this race seriously and giving it the respect it deserves? Yeah, it's like, I, I, you're not, you're sort of stealing a spot from somebody else, and exactly. you're setting yourself up for not only huge suffering, but total disappointment, and devastation. Yeah. And I looked in, I looked in the mirror a few years ago and I was like, I'm doing, I'm doing okay at a lot of different things, but I'm not doing really well at many of them, including like, again, like the thing that's most important to me is like being a good husband and yeah. like showing up for the people in my life that, that matter. And it's like, it took time, but like just kind of, you know, prioritizing things and like understanding what my core values were and like you know, using that as a rubric for making my decisions, I think has made, um, life more enjoyable and sustainable. And I think, you know, I'm getting more out of myself in these different, you know, these different areas. Rourke Apparel back for 2024. Such a cool brand born from a spirit of adventure and travel big with the surfing and action sports community. Rourke is now a major player here in trail running. You may remember I did an interview with their founder, Ryan Hitzel at the running event. I love everything about this brand. Obviously they make great lifestyle product, but the run amok collection is truly great stuff. One thing I've enjoyed recently is the second wind jacket, the perfect windbreaker to bring out on the trail. Of course, I live here in the mild climates of Northern California, and this is my new favorite piece, the perfect extra layer for early morning dawn patrols on chilly winter days. But I could also see this being a great 12 month a year piece, a coastal windbreaker or the perfect lightweight layer for summer adventures in the Alpine. Wherever you're ripping, Rourke's got your back. And as a free trail listener, you can get 15% off. Just go to Rourke.com, use promo code FREETRAIL15. That's R-O-A-R-K.com. Use code FREETRAIL15. This episode is brought to you by Osprey. Super excited to be working with this iconic Colorado brand, the market leader in technical outdoor and travel packs, celebrating its 50th anniversary in 2024. One of my favorite podcasts of last year was the How I Built This with Osprey founder, Mike Fotenhauer, an incredible story of design and innovation, which remains a core part of Osprey's DNA to this day, and that they're now focusing on the trail running category. You guys will absolutely love these trail running packs. I promise the Duro and Dyna are the men's and women's options respectively with an extremely robust product selection for runs of all types, quick lunch runs to multi-day suffer fests. I've been rocking the six liter Duro vest and absolutely love the fit, the function, the durability. Born in the San Juans, trusted by top athletes like Tyler Green and Rachel Drake. You gotta check out these products to make them even better. Osprey's full line are also sustainably crafted with blue sign approved, 100% recycled main body materials. Again, making them a leader in the category. Head over to Osprey.com to check it out. Grab a bag, that's Osprey.com, or chances are you can find Osprey products also at your favorite local specialty mountain shop or run store. Thanks so much to Osprey. So maybe we can use this as a good 
transition to talking about career stuff, but I was just going to add that, you know, when you sacrifice the running part of your life, inherently you're also sacrificing some of the physical health and emotional health. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think been the biggest takeaway for me, especially in 2023 is like, I have just have never been less healthy, you know, and with physical symptoms and manifestations of it, you know, like all my hair turning gray, gaining a bunch of weight, getting like rashes on my skin, like just stress to the max. Actually remember, I don't think he'll remind us talking about this, but when Brett Rivers was sort of in the middle of building SFRC and there was like 2016, 2017, he just kind of like fell off the map. He was so stressed. And I just remember being like, you know, puzzled by why he was so stressed. And now I absolutely feel it as somebody who's, you know, trying to do my own entrepreneurial thing and has a family myself. And just like trying to learn how to like deactivate my nervous system a little bit is sort of my goal for 2024 of just yeah, like a good goal, man. reconnect with running and also just slow down. And this is a, where I sort of wanted to lead things with you because you just basically posted about this as like slowing down in order to do things better and having more intentionality. And that's kind of one of the philosophies I want to do implement into my own life here in 2024. And Last time you were here, we talked a lot about the morning shakeout, mm-hmm. past, present, and future. It's been a year since we went deep on it, you know, uh, the last time. So maybe we can just open up with a quick uh, update on state what's going the, on there. How the things shakeout. state of the shakeout? What's going on? Uh, the morning shakeout, which for those of you who don't know, is a weekly newsletter that I've sent out every Tuesday since November of 2015. I think as of this conversation, we're 430 issues in. I haven't missed a week. And it also has an accompanying podcast called The Morning Shakeout, which used to come out weekly. I switched to a new format last year that was a little more series-based, for lack of a better term. And as of this conversation, I'm still trying to figure out what the heck it's going to be this year. It'll be something. Put out a few episodes, but I haven't committed to a set number or doing it on any kind of regular cadence. So, as with everything else, it's been an evolution. Um, back to you know, back to that word again, because I certainly think in the early days, and I'm still this way with the newsletter. I was like, nope, it's going to come out every week, and this this is what it's going to be. This is what it has to be. And you know, I over the last couple of years have kind of broken free from that and been like, it's evolved. And even though the newsletter from a consistency standpoint still comes out that frequently, the contents of it and what I write about has evolved. As you alluded to earlier in, in this conversation, um, this is part of how it started. It was a place where I could express my opinions. And I felt like because of my unique know, position in the sport in the industry that I had to have a take on anything remotely interesting or controversial or seemingly important that, that came up and that was self-induced. Um, and I would hear back from people on those takes and it would in some cases create larger conversations, but I put that pressure on myself of this is what the morning shakeout is. And this is what I have to deliver every week. And, and I will tell you, like, it was, it was not fun for a while. I was like, I, I can't keep doing this. Um, like it just doesn't, it feels forced. It doesn't feel right. 
and it evolved. Um, and, and some of it went back to the other part of what its roots were, at least the newsletter, where I just shared things that I'm interested in and maybe things that I'm thinking about and, um, you know, rough ideas of, you know, things that I, that I had, sometimes I'd go in depth on something. Um, and, and since I've like gotten to that point, it's, you know, it's become enjoyable again, like much like my relationship with running. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is fun. Like I'm kind of curious every week what I'm going to write about when I sit down, you know, rather than what do people expect me to write about when I sit down? And I think like, that's a big part of it. Um, not just for me, I think for a lot of people listening to this, I mean, if you're into running and you do races, like you're probably a high achieving person to some level or have those kind of tendencies. And sometimes you get wrapped up in like what other people are going to think of, you know, your output, what it is that, yeah. that you do. Um, you realize, I think for most of us too, that's not why we got into it in the first place. So I've had to have that moment with, with running. Um, this is again, the Zach Miller sentiment, isn't th it? This will, this will get to the Zach Miller yeah. article, but I've also had to have it in, you know, in this part of my work life with the morning shakeout. And it's like, why did I start this thing in the first place? And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is an outlet for me to like share the things that I am thinking about that I'm interested in that I have curiosity around it you know, and maybe I have an opinion about something, but I don't have to have an opinion about everything. Um, and that's something I've definitely like evolved on for, you know, for me. Let's talk about the podcast for a sec, because this I'm going to flip these mics on you too. I, I have questions for you, but I'm happy to talk. Well, I mean, I just gave my, my running update. We can do the free trail update here in a sec, but like, so this is a question that's born out of something I'm feeling with free trail right now. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, you've sort of taken a different approach with the podcast. You were doing more like one-on-one -on -one interview style show consistently, which is basically the same format I use for my show. Now you're doing, you know, more uh, theme-based things. Like you did a coaching series recently. And one of the things I worry about is just like, to what extent podcasting just becomes like a commoditized product, right? Like if our business revolves around a podcast, how resilient is it? Right. And that's part of the reason I think free trail is spider webbed into this thing. That's so much bigger now mm -hmm. is because, you know, internally, even if I hadn't acknowledged it until recently, there's some fear that like, well, my podcast is, not going to be relevant at some point or, you know, anybody can start it. So to what extent is this valuable in and of itself? So anyway, with that lead in, how, how are you thinking about the podcast specifically? And do you miss the consistency you used to have with it? Uh, I'll answer that last part first. I, I don't miss the consistency because toward the end of trying to do it every week, it just caused me so many headaches. And I know you can relate to us. Anyone who's ever tried to put out a podcast with that kind of consistency can relate to it. It's like every week you have to have something to put out. That's a tremendous amount of planning and coordination and execution. I don't think people realize how hard it is to do that. And oftentimes if it is part of your, you know, business, quote unquote, um, there has to be a financial return on that because otherwise that there's some wasted time there. Right. So I don't miss that. Even though I, I was 
getting a return for the investment of my time, but it was also causing me a lot of stress. And, and for me, like thinking about just even two years ago, how I was spending my working time, it was a mix of coaching, writing the newsletter, podcasting. And, you know, from a time standpoint, it was still mostly coaching, but the podcast was second and newsletter, you know, was third. And, and again, like, I just felt like I was one, I'm a one man show. I'm not trying to build a, a media company like free trail is I'm, I'm trying to be an independent creator. I want to talk about that. Some but, more. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a difference, big difference. There. Again, I'm a couple years behind you. Yeah. There's a big <laughs> difference there, but I realized again, I was, I was spreading myself too thin. I was doing a, a lot of things. Okay. But I wasn't really doing a great job, at least up to my standards in, in any of them. And I, I got to a point where I was like, I got to make a decision. I've either got to go um, all in, in co on coaching, or I've got to go all in on the podcast. And I, and I didn't want to give any of them up completely, but I had to like really dial one or the other back and like focus my energy and attention to it. Um, just from like distribution of time, you know, resources, et cetera. And I, I decided to go the coaching route. And so I started scaling the podcast back and that was, um, last year, it, it started really at the end of 2022, but by 2023, um, the first half of the year, I had a six episode series, a couple, um, podcasts with my friend, Simon Freeman from like the wind magazine. And then, Love I, those. and then I did the same thing, you know, at the second part of the year. And I took a two month break in, in the middle, um, versus like putting out a new interview, a uh, long form interview every week. So you know, I, I made that move for myself and it, 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 it worked. Like it, I was like, okay, I'm, I feel more present as a coach. I feel like I'm doing a better job. I'm giving my athletes the time and attention that they deserve and they're, they're paying for. And I don't have this other thing, um, you know, taking away from that. Um, but I didn't want to give it up completely this year. I, I don't think I'm going to hit the number. I think I put in, I think I put out 17 podcasts last year. Um, maybe I'll hit half that this year. I, I don't know. I don't have anything planned. So who knows, but I, I made that decision and I'm okay with it. I do feel like it was for the right reasons and it's, you know, it's sort of paid off. But again, like I, I look at it, I'm like, okay, well, aside from being a revenue stream, like what else is the podcast? It's a, it's a medium. It's a way to reach people. It's a way to get my message out. It can be an effective way to get messaging out. When I started mine in 2017, at least in the running space, there just weren't as many podcasts. Yeah. I mean, now, that's what I mean by the commoditized product. Yeah. And, and it's become, you know, I don't think it's become completely commoditized, but certainly much more so than it was. And it's only going to become more that seven years more ago. The case. For sure. But, um, it is an effective way to, to reach people. I think, especially if you are putting out a high quality product, you are consistent about it. And you are, you also realize that there are, billion other things competing for people's, you know, attention as well. And that's where I think like for you and free trail as a company, that's one way that you reach people is through your podcast and you do it really well and you're consistent about it, but you also have video. Um, you're getting into the event space. You are, you know, I don't think you do as many like print articles, but like you've kind of spread that out, like, you know, quite a bit. And, and I actually think that is advantageous, um, from, a like a business perspective as well, because if you're going to go all in on the podcast or mostly in on the podcast, I mean, you better be Rich Roll or Joe Rogan or someone of, of that stature who one has been doing it for a while um, and has built up that audience. Um, 
I mean, far longer than most other people, you know, have and can sustain it in, you know, in that way. But I think if, if you're a newer show and you're not so serious about it, um, it's just too hard. It's, it's too, it's too hard of a way to like, it's too hard to put out every, like on a consistent mm-hmm. basis. And it's also like hard to make money. Yeah. You know? So. so the last couple of times we've done this, I've pushed you on why are you the solo operator? And actually there's some interesting stuff happening now too, mm-hmm. that might be interesting to get your perspective on because you were such an early mover in this going from like an institutional journalist mm-hmm. to being like an indie creator. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in some ways you were sort of a a pioneer in the running space. And now we're seeing like Sports Illustrated has maybe gone forever. (laughs) Business Insider just laid a bunch of people off. Pitchfork is dead, an iconic music publication. So I don't know if this, we want to go into like the state of media in general, but the thing that I was going to say is like, you know, I always was puzzled, like, why doesn't Mario make this a bigger thing, you know? And now I'm in the place where I'm like, I've always wanted Free Trail to be this like huge thing, right? And 2023, really, the major takeaway was like, no, like, okay, this is a small sport. Like it can't sustain that, right? So where can I be efficient and where can I be honest and realistic about the potential of what I'm doing? Because if I have honesty and if I approach this realistically, I think I will be able to shut my nervous system down a little bit more, you know, because I was just pushing, pushing, pushing so hard to try and create this thing that I don't think the sport can sustain. Yeah. And I want to do this for 10, 15 years. Right. So what's the hurry, right. Going back to the post that you put up on your Instagram recently. So I don't know if you have any comments, questions or state of media that you want to go into from that but yeah one one comment then i want to throw a question at you my my one comment is i think the last thing that you said is a lot of what it comes down to and that's being realistic about who you're going to reach how big this thing is going to be and what it needs to sustain itself over time and a lot of the publications that you mentioned whether they're you know in sports or even you know, outside our bigger publications. I can tell you working for six years at um, Competitor Magazine, which is became Podium Runner and is now like all of that content has been gobbled up into outside run through a series of, you know, transactions. Um, when I was at Competitor, like, I mean, it was pretty explicit from the management. is like, we want to be the biggest running magazine publication, you know, in the world. Running's this huge sport. Look at the numbers, you know, venture capital behind it all and i'm like it's just it's just not realistic you know it's just like running is like yeah it's popular but people are interested in different things and you can't like force them to be interested in the competitive side of the sport you can't force the competitive people to be interested in you know uh five minute abs or you know like such such a thing i'm like but you know if you if you find a niche within that um and you can you can find your audience and you're realistic about the size of, of that audience and how you can, how you can serve it. Um, I think, and you, and you do good work. I mean, I do think like it comes down to doing good work. You can be sustainable for a long period of time. Not always. Um, you know, there are certainly a lot of smaller indie publications that have, you know, struggled to, to do that as well for, you know, for various reasons. But I think the trap 
that a lot of media companies fall into is trying to be everything to everyone and, mm. and trying to be, you know, bigger than they actually are. And that creates a lot of pressure and just like, unre like, it's just unrealistic. Mm. Um, I think to, you know, to keep, keep that going. So that's my, my comment. I mean, my, you know, my question to you is how do you feel about the growth that free trail has had since you started and it's had different mm -hmm. iterations and let's start with that. There's a part two yeah. to that question. But. Well, so we just did like an AMA episode where I talked about this. So hopefully it's not like too redundant, but the, like the long story short is like, we're in a good place now. Finally. Thank God, Mario. And you've known this, I think, but for at least the last couple of years, I've just felt this internal tension of like, is this a job and a career and a business that I can build over 10 or 15 years? Or is it a side hustle? Mm -hmm. Because if it's a side hustle, it's going to be a cool little side hustle. But also there's a big difference between yep. those two things, not only in terms of the return on investment, but in terms of the daily, you know, expenditure of energy and resources. And I have always approached it of like, no, this is going to be a business, right? It's not, it's going to be more than a side hustle. And this like literally in the last few weeks have been the first glimmer of a hope that we've had that like, this may be a sustainable thing. To interject here. I love hearing that. Congratulations. I'm happy for you. But that's, a, if there is a secret ingredient, it's the sticking with it yeah. as well. Because I think a lot of, media publications that think they want to become companies or, or in that same place was, is this going to be a side hustle? Is this going to be a business? Yeah. Um, when they realize how hard it is, they, I mean, they just quit, yeah. you know? And I, I think a lot of it is just like sticking with it, taking some lumps along the way. And then again, being realistic about what's, what's possible and honestly being okay with that for a little while. I mean, again, not to, use a tired cliche, but it's just like running, right? Just don't DNF and things will eventually come around. But I think what it's engendered in me is just like an unspeakable gratitude for everybody who's supported mm -hmm. us in a way that like, you know, I would run into a burning building <laughs> like for anybody that has been part of it, you know? And that is like one of those things just like running where the connections that you make with the people are like the true reward for the work. And yeah, like the measurable things have been good. You know, like we doubled our revenue last year and we are forecasting to grow a lot this year. And the sport continues to go up and to the right. I'm always terribly, you know, paranoid about that and whether we're in a bubble or how sustainable is this? And maybe we can talk about that because trail running, it, we're benefiting from the tailwind in the industry and the mm -hmm. growth in the industry. And if you, as I know you do, pay attention to other sports like triathlon and cycling, like those moments of momentum eventually end, fade, slow down, maybe even crash. What does that mean for us? And so that's what I am always thinking. I think I have a predisposition to I don't think it's like a pessimism. It's like a paranoia, right? It's like, I always 
am thinking about how to prepare. I'm a doomsday prepper, basically, at least when it comes to free trail. And so that's why I think about the commoditized product of podcasting. Like if my podcast is a thing that steers the whole ship and it's becomes irrelevant or AI takes over or, you know, some other, you know, a bunch of other bigger podcasts show up, then the business turns off basically. And those are the things that I fear, but you know, the thing that I have to get better at is like appreciating that we actually have come a far away. Yeah. And I think you guys have done a great job. I think being a modern media business today, you can't just think about it as I'm a podcast or I'm a website or a magazine or I'm a YouTube TV show or I, you know, whatever it happens to be. It's like, you got to think of it as how are we reaching people? How are people consuming media? Where are they hanging out online and otherwise? And what can we do to reach them in all of those places? Like if you want to, if you want to build like a business with people and like have some, have some spread, like you have to think, like you have to think that way. Um, Because again, like if something happens to any one of those, you know, podcasting, people aren't listening to podcasts anymore. Well, and if you're not in those other places, it can be hard to get in there, you know, if you're not. And I mean, for me, I mean, that's a lot of why I haven't built the morning shakeout and something bigger. I I'm not good at that stuff. Like I'm a terrible manager. Um, I'm a, I'm a good self-starter. I'm pretty self-reliant on things. I'm a terrible manager and I mean, that's just the truth. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, I can, I can see these things. I understand it. Um, but like, I'm, I'm a terrible manager and the thought of like going all of these different places, um, you know, which I know is important if you're going to build something bigger like that. I'm like, yeah, that just like, I, I'm not into it. Like for me, like what I do as a soul, like just a solo self-employed, I, I think primarily coach. I mean, I, I, that's how I identify as a coach. Other people might identify me as, oh, Mario the podcaster, Mario the newsletter writer. I mean, since I've been self-employed, I identify as a, as a coach. And yeah. I use the newsletter and the podcast to like help people get to know me a little bit better, share my ideas and get the message out. Um, there are a million other places like I could be, but they, you know, they work for me and it's like sustainable for one person. But if I were like a company, it's like, I'd have to put more like time, attention, energy, resources, money, et cetera, into, you know, making sure I've got all of those, you know, all of those bases covered. So maybe this is a good opportunity to bring that Zach Miller piece back into the conversation before we transition to other topics. Sure. To summarize it, this He's is his a, most recent column? Yes, the one you featured in the newsletter okay. on I Run Far, where he's talking about a book. Anne Lamott's book. Why don't you summarize it? So I can't remember the na- the title of Zach's article. We can link I'll it to the it show up. notes or something. You can look it up. But um, a book that he recently read by Anne Lamott, um, who is a, a writer, and she's writing about writing and and the the gist of it stride by stride is the name of the stride by stride is the name of the the article not Anne Lamott's book I think Anne Lamott's book is is it bird 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 I'll find it bird by bird bird by bird um is the name of the book and I've read it I should I should know that but the gist of the book is that or the main message is writers think it's all about getting published when it's really about the act of writing 
itself. And as he does so eloquently, Zach draws a parallel with running. And again, in this little world, it's like a lot of athletes want to get sponsored. They want to be a professional. They want to get paid for it. Um, and he admits he's fortunate that he's been able to do that, but he stayed true to just, you know, the, the process, the lifestyle of like, it's about, it's about the running. Um, I mean, back to my, my Brendan Leonard mug, put in the miles so you can put in the miles so you can put in the miles and just keep feeding on itself. Like it, there's no real, it's not about being published. It's not about being a pro. It's not about winning the race. It's not about setting the PR. I mean, you can do those things. Great. If it happens, yeah. but you realize like those things are fleeting. Like you got to love the thing for the thing itself. That's the, that's the gist of, yeah. of the book. And, and he's basically saying also he likes, he likes running. And he's also, he also happens to be good at it, yep. which helps him to like, to like running, mm -hmm. which is an obvious thing and similar to what Anne says in Bird by Bird is that she likes writing and she's good at writing and that's sort of the circularity there. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, the reason I bring it up is because I actually do like this, you know, and I shouldn't make it such a stressful, brutalizing part of my life and because it's also like if even if it does become commoditized or we do become irrelevant, I do enjoy it. Right. And yeah. and I feel like I'm more I have some sort of an inborn capability, just like with a photographic memory about stats and race results and athletes and things like that, that maybe I do have some predisposition to be successful with it, which again, helps me to enjoy it more. And anyway, yeah. so. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think about it. Um, one of the thoughts I had when I read Zach's piece in particular, and I've thought about this as it relates to like my career path and pursuits and what he was writing about there. And this idea of getting published is money changes things. Yeah. Right. So for a lot of us running is a, a hobby. Um, for me, like when I started the morning shakeout as a newsletter in 2015, I was working at competitor with no plans to leave or turn the morning shakeout into something like this. I'm like, I want to express myself in this, in this way. It was a hobby that I did alongside my job. And it wasn't until, you know, over a year later when I had moved on from that job and went to a startup and that failed and I had to figure like stuff out. And I was like, well, how do I want to spend my time? Like, well, I'd love to just write the morning shakeout every week. And, you know, I, I had to think about it differently, but it did change the relationship mm -hmm. to it. Right. And that's what I've had to come back to is like, why did I start doing this thing in the, you know, in the first place? That's what Ann talks about with writing. That's what Zach talks about with um, running. And I think, you know, that's what you're talking about with like your pursuits as well. But I, so I, I, I've had that thought. I'm like how money changes things. Cause otherwise it's just, a, it's a hobby and hobbies are great. It's, it's great to have hobbies. Like you hobbies know, are critical. Yeah, yeah. they are. They are, they are critical. You know, you can't turn your, you can't always turn your hobby into a side hustle, nor should you. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if the side hustle is not good enough, becomes a business and you can see how this gets messy, like, yeah. you know, pretty quickly. But I, that was one of my big takeaways from that was like, yeah, money, Money change definitely like changes things, mm. but I have also found for myself, and I've seen this with other people, when I come back to why did I start doing this in the first place? You know, running, which is you know not a money maker for me, but I put a lot of pressure on myself with it. Um, when I come back to the sense of curiosity, like what am I capable of? What can I do? It changed like all of a sudden it's like, huh? Well, that's different than I have to do this, or it, mm -hmm. or or else, or like I have to do that, you know, or I'm not good enough, like type of thing. Same thing with um, the morning shakeout. It is still part of like how I make my living, um, but I think like where that's gotten to a good place is when I got back to the 
point where I was like, what am I doing this for in the first place? Yeah. You know, does that make, does that make sense? I, I yeah. don't know if it was too jumbled coming out that way. But. No, no. I think, what, you know, again, these metaphors are for the so love. obvious, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but it's, I'm sure there's a lot of people who, yeah, just like lose that fundamental purpose of why you have begun whatever project you're working on in the first place and yeah. recentering around that initial inspiration is likely a great guiding force. Can I ask you one more question before we move on to other topics? I know yeah. we have a whole list of them, but we also don't have a ton of time, <laughs> but um, with free trail where it is now, and as you mentioned, trail and ultra running as a sport, as an industry is like on this hockey stick type of trajectory, at least yeah. right now, who knows how, you know, how long that will last. Um, and you'd mentioned how that does excite you and you're like, okay, I see opportunity. Do you feel pressure that because of that growth, free trail has to grow along with it in terms of the number of people that, you know, you're reaching or the impact that you have? Yeah. I, I mean, part of why this has been an emotionally scarring thing, even though, again, I really have enjoyed it, is because it's been driven by both insecurity and opportunism, I feel like, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I do want this to have an impact, like a big impact. Otherwise, I will feel like I have not just, I cannot justify the sacrifice it's taken, right? But also, part of it is like, wow, like this sport is truly taking off in a way that I dreamt of 15 years ago when I was just getting into it. And as somebody who is a student of many different sports and who is riveted and fascinated by sports business, I do really enjoy seeking out those opportunities and taking advantage of them, right? Yeah. It's almost like sport to me now in my you know, semi post competition life. And so there, yes, like I want this to be as big as it can realistically be. And I've reframed what realistic means now, which is good. And I think has contributed to us being in a healthy place, but like, you know, I've, you know, given my life savings to this thing. I've given it my life's energy for a few years. I'm just starting to pay myself my, for the first time. And in order for me to feel good about those sacrifices, I would like it to be bigger and, and more impactful than it is now. That being said, like, I'm really happy with where it is now. I'm proud of what we've accomplished. And if this is as far as we get, yeah, it may feel like a little bit of a disappointment, but it's also like, you know, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I remember last year, um, in the midst of our conversation, we were talking about Rick Rubin's book. Yes, and you had read a passage from it. I remember saying, "Yeah, you're exactly yeah, where you right. need to be." Um, <laughs> and here we are, a year later. It's kind of cool to look back on that and, and um, not say like I, I was I was right, but to see like you were exactly where you needed to be, yeah. and you needed to like hang in it and like finally things started to click and come together. And like, now you're at a place where you're like, okay, like we're on good ground and now we can actually look at things with, you know, maybe a little bit more optimism, but also opportunity. Yeah.
the very first brand to ever believe in free trail. You guessed it, Gnarly Nutrition. Born in Salt Lake, Gnarly sets the standard when it comes to performance nutrition products. Of course, they have run fueling dialed with Fuel2O, the collab orange drink flavor we formulated together. Gnarly also offers pre-workout blends and extremely dank protein mixes. I am going hard on the protein right now. I'm not going to lie. This aging athlete and podcaster had an evaluation recently and there was one thing that was abundantly clear. I basically needed to double my protein intake. Enter Gnarly Nutrition. I'm now smashing three scoops of the Gnarly Whey protein powder mid-morning every day and already feel way better charging into 2024. For those who are plant-based, Gnarly also offers a vegan option of the same protein powder. And to be honest, I can't tell them apart. So they're equally delicious and you'll have your selection there. Of course, Free Trail listeners get special discounts of 15% off the whole product offering not just protein but everything else visit gonarly.com use code free trail 15 gonarly.com use code free trail 15 okay moving on should we talk about the utmb stuff next people want us to talk yeah. about the utmb stuff so we, we put, put out a solicitation for questions that was number one <laughs> that was the consensus yeah so just to remind everybody i guess it was what three three and a half years ago 2021 okay so two and a half years ago when the UTMB Ironman merger was announced, Mario and I did a podcast where we talked through all of it. I think I was positioned more on the pro merger side. You were more skeptical. We had a lot of common ground and I think we navigated that conversation as friends. It wasn't a debate, but it's a good time to revisit it. This has been a wild few months in trail running. Mm -hmm. You're, I'm much closer to the epicenter of all this than yes. you are. But maybe uh, just give us your initial thoughts on what's transpired recently and how you're thinking about things, observing it. Yeah. I will preface what I'm about to say by admitting that I am further removed from it, certainly than you and probably most people at this point. I've been just watching it from afar. I have not opined recently or involved myself in any other conversations. but. I'm not super surprised at how things have played out. Um, I've seen these sorts of things happen in other areas of running and other endurance sports as well. And to me, it was clear where it was heading with UTMB, this World Series. I don't even know if they call it that anymore. That's, they do. That's, yeah. That, that's what it. That's what it was initially, and you know, making. Chamonix, the epicenter of the you know trail running universe, and I guess the Cliff's Notes version of what's happened in the last several months is, I mean they've really just they being UTMB Ironman as a as an organization um, have you know taken over some bull bullied around like smaller event directors and you know they're just. You know they've been swinging their swinging their weight around, I guess, and um, making some decisions that have, at least here in North America, been wildly unpopular, and I would even say antithetical to the spirit of trail and ultra running as we know it and experience it. Yeah, I would not disagree with any of that. Being closer 
to things myself. It's so puzzling because I've actually been in a couple private conversations that have been like very positive and productive, mm-hmm. but that have absolutely not translated into at least the social media arena, which continues to be hyper poisonous and volatile. And I, for the most part, stay out of, I observe it yeah. on, a, on occasion, but not nearly as much as most people. I've never chimed in on it, but yeah. I, I would agree that it is um, contentious at, at best in, I think, you know, just downright uh, embarrassing, abhorrent uh, at, you know, at worst. It's interesting case study in brand and communications, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I don't know. One of the things I've thought about, remember the whole Dacha controversy? Mm -hmm. So for the listeners, UTMB, World final in Chamonix, UTMB Mont Blanc has a title sponsor that is a car manufacturing company called Dacia. From what I understand, it's sort of the European equivalent of Subaru, Mm -hmm. right? And this caused a bunch of criticism from at least a subset of trail runners with good intentions around environmentalism, conservation of why are you using an internal combustion car as a title sponsor of a trail running race when we rely on the outdoors. But it's so interesting, Mario, and this is one of the observations that I had that we can discuss together because around that same time was the mountain bike world championships. Mm -hmm. And Tom Pidcock, who's this sick British rider, mountain bike champ. He's also a world tour racer. He's on team Ineos. He's wearing his great Britain Jersey. And on the sleeve is a shell oil logo. Right. And he wins the world championship mountain bike world. Doesn't say anything about it. Right. right. Similarly, like Kipchoge, a, the pillar, a beacon of human integrity is sponsored by Ineos, which is like a petrochemical yeah. company. Right. Yeah. Nobody says anything. And so like, to me, if I'm speaking honestly, like if Subaru offered free trail, a partnership, would I say no. Right. And I don't know that I would. Right. Yeah. So it's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting, like, you know, again, like the people my, have good intentions, right? Yeah, but it's just an interesting contrast of communities, isn't it? It is. I mean, and this is part of my problem with internet active activism in general, um, which is a whole nother conversation for a different day. But I also think, I mean, this is a global series. Okay, car companies sponsoring the race. I get environmental concerns, but most of the people who are going to these races are flying around the world to do it in a jet, which is a thousand times worse. So, um, and maybe some of these same people who are also making those criticisms about a car company sponsoring it. I, I don't know that for sure, but that would be, you know, my assumption. So, you know, maybe there, there's, you know, there's just something about that, that you know, doesn't sit well the right way. But I mean, you know, you go back years, I mean, you had cigarette companies sponsoring professional cycling teams. You have, Beer companies still, in some regards to this day, you know, sponsoring um, athletic events. Um, you know, so I mean, this is not this is not a new thing. Um, but I I feel like in a lot of cases on the internet, 
on Instagram specifically, I feel like this is where a lot of this stuff happens. I mean, whatever it is, there are always people just kind of waiting in the wings for a brand to slip or to do something that is, you know, controversial. And then they jump on it and they just don't look. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that was an example of that. Um, and I mean, I've seen that happen, you know, with other brands in different instances yeah. as well. And then, you know, weeks or maybe in some cases, few cases, months later, people move past it and it's not a, it's not a concern anymore. The reason I brought up, it's an interesting case study in brand is like, what if Western states partnered with Subaru? Would there be a violent outcry, right? Yeah. What, what I mean is that there's a particular thing about Ironman especially, but Ironman and UTMB that has the trail running community just hyper vigilant. Well, that's what I meant about people waiting in the wings. Like Iron, yeah. Iron Man, UTMB, it's already like that enough is contentious as we talked about a couple of years ago. So any little thing that's going to like throw gasoline on that, that fire is going to blow up pretty quickly. Yeah. And I feel like that's one example of it, but I feel like we may be getting a little sidetracked. <laughs> Where should we go? Um, I think just, uh, some of the recent, happenings around this Ironman UTMB partnership. And, and this is where you'll have to fill me in. Cause I honestly don't know more than what I'm about to tell you, but I do know that Killian Jornet and the aforementioned Zach Miller sent out a letter email to a number of athletes saying, Hey, if we had an alternative event around the same time, would you consider doing it? I don't know what happened yeah. with that. I haven't followed up on it, but. So I was not included in the email. Apparently it was sent to the top ranked runners via the UTMB world series index. And that led, that was exposed by a European running coach, a guy I know named Martin Cox. And it created at least a public pressure, I think for the pro trail runners association, Zach and Killian, especially to engage with UTMB in a conversation, which it seems like based on all the public posts that were put out on Instagram was another productive, positive meeting. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of course, UTMB puts out a statement that is more or less a regurgitation of the facts of the meeting without anything that would resemble sort of like a, here's the action steps that we're going to be taking. Anyway, it just left people feeling unsatisfied again. And I don't know. I think my, my opinion is that this is such an important race, right? And I guess this goes back to the, what you had talked about and what you espoused of just like, I don't know. I want to be slow in developing opinions and I don't want to be the guy who just has a take because I have a podcast. Right. But, you know, I think there needs to be some apology, right? Like from a communications perspective, there needs to be some reconciliation between Ironman UTMB and the global trail running public. From what I understand, this is much more of a concentration 
in North America. In other words, European athletes aren't as activated. Yeah. yeah. And in order for there to be any progress made, as with anything, change has to come from the top, right? You know, and I think Zach and Killian had good intentions with their communications. They, I obviously don't think they intended for this ever to become public. Certainly put them in a strange position, I think, uh, an uncomfortable position that they didn't want to be in. And I'm sure it made UTMB uncomfortable in that two of the most iconic athletes of our generation and of all time. And who have had success at their race. Yeah. And it would obviously be quite an embarrassment if the best athletes didn't, didn't show up. And so, like I said, I've been involved in a couple of positive conversations behind the scenes too. And my hope is that in some way that translates into like an outward communication of some sorts that brings the community back together. And whether that starts with some sort of an apology or laying out next steps, I don't know. I feel like the ball is sort of like in, in one very defined court at this point. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, there does seem to be communications issues and, potentially even communication breakdowns that need to be resolved. But back to internet activism, I mean, people have made up their minds about UTMB. And even if they put out a great apology, there's going to be a high percentage of the same people who don't find that satisfactory. Right. Um, that I mean, we've seen that play out, you know, over and over again. And, and I do think, like, I talked a little bit about this a couple of years ago when this partnership was initially announced because even then a lot of the uproar was North American in, in mm-hmm. scope. It didn't seem to be coming quite as much um, from international participants, which seems to sort of still be the case today. And I do think because most of this is happening again on Instagram uh, more than, more than any other places, it's hard to really know how widespread a lot of these sentiments are. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just like observationally, it seems that a lot of it still is coming from North American, you know, participants where, as we've talked about before, I think culturally things are different here versus there. Maybe that's where some of the breakdown communication happens. I think the events here for a number of reasons, um, permitting being a huge part of it, are different than they are um, in other in other areas of you know of the world. And and this is not me trying to defend UTMB at all. I've been I again was skeptical. I think from the very beginning, and I and I I still am. I mean, it's changing. The landscape is changing. That that much was clear, and it, it will continue to. And um, people still aren't going to be happy. But I am I am like interested, and I don't know if we'll get a definitive answer to this. Like how much of it how much of that angst is concentrated here in North America versus other areas of the world? Yeah. Well, I just hope that things calm down. I just pray for, you know, sort of like a, some stretch of peace and prosperity, 
You know, it's been so hectic and stressful in the last few months. Yeah. Well, and just transparency too. Um, I, I don't think that UTMB Ironman has been very transparent in, I mean, they're making a lot of moves in many of the moves that they're making, how they get announced. I mean, you know, they're always going to tell their version of the stories, but it's like, let's just be transparent and talk about, you know, what is going to change with some new events coming in or taking over some, you know, older events. Cause, cause as other sports have shown us, like change is going to happen. Like, let's be transparent about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, you're going to want to paint like a rosy picture, but I also think, you know, the participants in the community as a whole just, you know, deserve to know what's happening and what your intentions, you know, what your intentions are. Um, and that could possibly prevent some of these uproars from breaking. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the last thing is that, yeah, we should say that Ironman hired a new CEO this week. It I was did. just announced. So an opportunity for new leadership. And obviously I think this UTMB partnership is going to be critical for the long-term future of Ironman. They continue to develop more and more competitors in the triathlon space, even though they're still the dominant player by a long shot in that market. But with change comes an opportunity to clean slate. And, you know, hopefully it'll be this time next year when we do our check-in, we'll be in a more positive place. But I think one of the things I've always just had a, just like, I don't know what the right word is, just rosy colored glasses with is thinking that all this growth was going to just be okay. Right. And that trail culture would rise above all and that we would be able to figure it out because we're good people. And it's been a rocky road and maybe that was naive. Yeah. There's a reason they call it growing pains, you know, and, and I think the sport, the industry is experiencing a lot of those pains right now. I do, I do think, um, over time, I don't know how much time, but the sport and the industry, the events will, will come out the other side. Um, I, I really, I really do believe that. Um, because people like take all that other stuff out of it. People want to get outside. They want to explore. They want to get on the trails. They want to travel. They want to challenge themselves. They want to do these events and, more of them are, are going to pop up with UTMB Ironman and even outside of that. And I think I've always believed the cream will rise to the top. So, you know, if there are good experiences being put on out there, whether it's a series that's doing that, um, you know, for that series to be successful, they have to be consistent in doing it well, or folks are going to go elsewhere. Um, and I do think like independent events, if back to what we were talking about earlier, if they're realistic about, how big they want to be and what impact they can have. And they put on a good show. They can remain popular and and possibly even like get more popular, you know, over, over time. But it, it is like, we are in like a, you know, the sport is, is in the midst of growing pains yeah. right now. And that doesn't feel good and it doesn't look pretty. And it's probably not going to shake out how, you know, a lot of people want it to shake out, but it's going to, you know, it's, it's going to happen either way. Yeah. Maybe winding down 
on a more positive note here, with all this growth and change too, it's also introduced so many positive things, right? Like one of the things I was talking to Hayden Hawks about today and John Ray about last week is like, God, this new generation of athletes is so good mm -hmm. and they're so professional. They're so dialed in ways that my generation never approached. That's so exciting. and Super exciting. Yeah, now with the advent of this like trail team and a lot of the athletes that are now coming out collegiately and going straight into trails or trying to be hybrid athletes competing across track and road and trails. So exciting. You know, it provides the foundation for which something like free trail can exist. This growth, you know, for coaches and stuff, it's introduced like a whole new industry brands are doing well. And there's a lot of, you know, positives that have come out of it. Unfortunately, you know, negativity is rewarded online and you know there are some things that can that can improve obviously and um you know at the same time let's kind of appreciate what a great sort of moment we're living through in the sport too yeah it's it's exciting times yeah. i think for just running as a whole and i i have always been of the mindset i mean you know, it's right in your company free trail like you're you're focused on trail great yeah. um and you're doing an awesome job with it i i love it all i love trail i love ultra i love track as I was talking about earlier marathons I identify as a runner and I at various points in my life have experimented in all of those things so I love seeing now like at the competitive level really good collegiate athletes coming out and being like huh maybe I'll try to qualify for the Olympic trials marathon but oh there's this this new trail race in my off season that I'm going to try out and oh I can make a U.S. team and go represent my country you know, somewhere. I think that's cool. But even on the amateur level, I mean, I see this with a number of the athletes that I coach people that you will never hear of who are curious. I mean, they've run marathons for years and they're like, huh, um, you know, I see, you know, I see this trail race coming up in my backyard. Do you think I could try that out? Yeah. Or how about you just start running on trails for some of your, you know, easier runs or, you know, convincing someone, you know, to go race cross country or something like you did, you know, many years ago. And, and I think that's how all of these different buckets of running, I think, can, can feed each other yeah. and, you know, really support one another and coexist. And I mean, a big part of what I try to do through through my work, because I do coach a wide variety of, of runners, but even the stuff I share um, in the morning shakeout newsletter, the conversations I've had in the past for the podcast, I've tried to touch on all these different areas of the sport to show like, hey, like we all have a lot more in common than we do different. And I think, you know, the more that we can recognize that, the more that we can celebrate that, the, the better it is for everyone, you yeah. know, and, and everybody, you know, everybody wins, the sport wins, the industry wins, the media wins, um, you know, and it just, I don't know. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Should we wrap up there? We had a whole bunch of other topics, but I know we're running short on time. Any, um, other topics that we can do quick hits. Should, should we do just a, have a quick Mario Olympic marathon trials comment, or we could go, we could talk about brands and athletes. I feel like that's like a, a much bigger topic that we would end up going long for. Oh, I feel like that's gotta be a whole nother podcast unto there itself. There was like some, a lot of conversation about coaching and the changes there. Yeah. We could um, do like some media recommendations or things like that. Maybe. I don't know how much time we have left. I think we've been going for a we've while. An hour, hour and 20 we're at. Yeah, so we got to wind this one down. Maybe we do 
the quick hit recommendations to close this one out. But at some point we do, I, I would love to talk specifically about the professional side of the sport sponsorships. we got a few inquiries yeah. on, on that. I feel like that needs its own episode. Come over next week. <laughs> we can, we can do that, but yeah, why don't we, why don't we finish with some quick hits? Okay, cool. You want to go first? I've got one. I've got one really, well, two, two, okay. but a, th- a theme. Okay. Print magazines, dude. Okay. If we're doing recommendations on things that we've been enjoying recently. Have you ever heard of the Mountain Gazette? Yes. Oh my God. It's the greatest publication in the history of the world. I love that magazine. So I, this is the second time the Mountain Gazette's come up in the last couple of weeks for me. And I knew of it previously, but it came back to the guy whose name escapes me, but bought it in a bar. Mike Rogie is yeah, his name. Years yeah. ago. And I think the contract was on the back of a napkin and it's large format magazine. And I have never seen a publication of it. I've got myself. one inside. Yeah. You'll, have to, you'll have to show me, but it looks amazing and really, really beautiful and unique. And that's all I got. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, yeah, uh, just to give you the short version of the story, the ma- the magazine's been around since the 60s. It's gone through a few ownership cycles. The new owner, Mike Rogie, really interesting guy. I actually did an interview with him for a different little project that I'm working on that I'll tell you about. Okay. Um, but this magazine was sort of outside before outside existed. So it's been sort of like this core outdoor journal and it's always had these unique characters owning it. And so it was a place where like Hunter S Thompson and Edward Abbey and Royal Robbins were writing back in the day. And they're just long stories. Yeah. Like often they would, they would publish like 200 page stories in a magazine. Now it still carries that same ethos it still feels like a singular art project with a highly curated collection of written pieces. But then it also has this beautiful photography, huge format. It has a beautifully curated art. It has poetry. It has like even beautiful advertisement inside the magazine. It's just a spectacular media product that I would absolutely recommend that you subscribe to. And then in that vein with print magazines, and I know uh, you'll appreciate this, but you know what Simon Freeman and his team does at, at like the wind. I just, I'm really into print publication right now. Well, you took my side of the conversation <laughs> there because I was going to pump up like the wind as well. It's my favorite running magazine of, of all time. And I truly mean that. And I am someone who has consumed them all. I worked at one myself. Um, what Simon and his team have done is, is really incredible. And I mean, similar to what you were describing earlier in your journey, same I went through mine. I mean, the journey he's been on with like the wind parallels that in a lot of ways. And they're, they're at a point now in 2024 where they're kind of really firing on all cylinders right now. And they put out a quarterly magazine. They just went full time. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're full time. They're expanding. They just released like the wind Japan, which I have a copy. It's beautiful. Um, I mean, they just, the amount of care that goes into it. I mean, print, I, I, I love print. I love things that are going to stand the test of time. Um, I mean, full disclosure, I am a columnist for like the wind. I have something in, in every issue. Simon and I talk quarterly for my podcast, which is related to that column. But I mean, he is telling, 
back to what I was just saying a few minutes ago. He is telling stories from trail, from ultra, from activism, from uh, behind the scenes, from track and field, from you know marathons, photographers in the sport, pe people like he's just telling all the stories. He's really you know celebrating the just like the the storytelling aspect of of the sport. And they have advertising as well, different partners. Um, beautifully done. Reminds me a lot of Surfer's Journal. Yeah. Um, I Another mean, great magazine. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm with you on the, the magazines. I'm going to have to check out, uh, check out the mountain one. Should we run, wind down there? Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think if I have, if I have anything to add, like different media. I mean, I, you know, I mention a lot of music in my morning shake. I always love that. Every, every week. I try to put something in there that I've been listening to. I usually find these things on YouTube. And what I love about YouTube is you can find really rare things. And sometimes it's pretty raw. Um, but I love just, live versions of things, acoustic versions of things, rare versions of things. And um, I go down rabbit holes all the time. So subscribe to the morning shakeout. You could find something new in there every week. The one thing I will say, this is outside of um, kind of our, our normal media realm, but Christine and I just finished watching both seasons of the bear. Okay. Have you watched it? We watched like a couple episodes, but we didn't, we didn't get hooked. You didn't get hooked. Wow. I mean, we didn't give it a chance. We didn't give okay. it a fair chance. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, you just want, it. didn't it just sweep whatever award show? Yeah, they cleaned yeah, house. Yeah. Um, and we blew through two seasons. I'm eagerly awaiting season three, but best thing that I've watched recently. All right, I'll check far. it out. So you'll need to check that out. But maybe that's a good place to wrap things up. Okay, well, geez, we didn't even touch half of the no, list. <laughs> I, I feel like we need another like two or three hours. This is a, just classic. Yeah. Uh, every time, every time we do this, it's like maybe, maybe ridiculously next, Maybe long. next year we just like clear the day. And if it's a two-hour <laughs> episode, it's a two-hour episode. If it's a five-hour episode, it's a five-hour episode. And we like just, a, you know, we, we get lunch and we just go for it. Joe Rogan, Lex Friedman, Rick Rubin, <laughs> you know, the multi-hour multi yeah. experience. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is always fun. I enjoy spending time with it's you. It's always a joy, man. I, I appreciate your work so much. Everything Likewise. you put out is just spectacular. And I've read all 430 issues of the Morning Shakeout newsletter. Everybody has to go subscribe. So it's great to do our annual check-in. We've got to do this maybe at least uh, biannually now. Yeah. And, maybe, uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, a lot's changed in the last 12 months. So maybe we got to come back in like, I don't know, October or something like that, or yeah. maybe July, August, sec beginning of the second half of the year. Who knows? Every six months. And for our listeners here, Mario is heading to the airport tomorrow to go support an athlete at the Olympic marathon trials tomorrow. Uh, this weekend this in Orlando. Weekend, yeah. yeah, I can't wait. It should be exciting. Um, I wrote a little bit about the trials in my newsletter this past week, issue 429, I believe. Just uh, comments and thoughts and questions that I've had kind of yeah. running through my head because it's exciting. I mean, this is a once-in-every-four-year event. I think the racing is going to be just bonkers. I mean, there's three spots at stake on – on each side. And it's, I mean, you know, there are some in intricacies that we won't get into, but essentially it's like, you got to finish in the top three to make the team. Yeah. Um, it's a little more complicated than that on the men's side. We won't get into that right now, but I love that. I, I love that type of, you know, just kind of competition and who's going to show up and be their best on that day. And, you know, has just prepared well for, you know, that type of racing. It's going to be really warm, windy and humid. So not ideal conditions for a marathon, but similar to the athletes are going to face in Paris probably later this summer. Um, in, in those aspects, the course is completely flat. Paris is going to be hilly, whatever. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm now I'm going I'm yeah, yeah, lost yeah. down a tangent, but, um, it's going to be exciting. Um, I have an athlete, Zach Hine, who 
is competing in his fourth Olympic trials. Wow. Um, we have been working together for the past two years. He qualified at Eugene last year, ran a 217 um, and change, his second fastest marathon ever. Uh, he's had a great training block, and I'm just excited for him to take advantage of this opportunity and you know get to be there on the course and you know watch him do it. Heck yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, buddy, always great to chat. Good luck this weekend. Good Thank luck you. to Zach. Catch up soon. Sounds good. Mario Fraioli, what a guy. So great to get him back on the show. Again, we might do a round two because it felt too short. So stay tuned for that. If you don't already, you absolutely must subscribe to Mario's newsletter and podcast. In my mind, he is just the best in the business and both are premium running content. Free Trail Pro members, please do let me know what you thought of today's episode. Jump in Slack, share your feedback, let me know what your favorite takeaway was, etc., etc. Always love hearing from you in there. A big thank you to our partners, of course, Speedland, the presenting sponsor of this show, runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 for the best footwear in the game. Gnarly Nutrition, similarly great product. Go gnarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off. Osprey Packs, the leading pack brand globally. Check them out at osprey.com or at your favorite local retailer. And finally, Rourke Apparel, back for 2024. Glad to have them back in the fold here at Free Trail. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off their great running and lifestyle apparel products. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, a lot of great Black Canyon content coming down the pipeline next week. Until then, love you so much. Bye-bye.